Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. God, we worship you. And we thank you, Father, for your presence this morning. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. If you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17, continuing in our, our message series, entering into, I'm sorry, accessing the, the miraculous. And uh, I'm believing this morning that we're going to a new level. Amen? 1 Kings 17, uh, we read from this last week as we established you know, where Elijah was operating from. Uh, he, he commands there to be no rain. Uh, he has this showdown with Ahab, and uh, then the rain comes after Elijah prays. I want to look at uh, a passage right in the middle of that story this morning. So 1 Kings 17, and we're going to go to verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's, a, it's an active word. It's alive. It is sharper than any double-edged sword for the separating of bone and marrow. And Father, I pray this morning that Your Word would be alive to us, that we would encounter Your Word in a fresh way this morning. God, I pray that as I preach this morning, the anointing that makes preaching easy would be upon us. And that, Father, we would receive it in a fresh way. That, Father, that which has been familiar to us before would be alive and new this morning. And that, Father, when I reach my hands out and pull them back, it'd be your handprint that's left. Father, I thank you that I, apart from you, I can do nothing. But in you, I live and move and have my being. And I thank you for the anointing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, desperation brings visitation? It was coined by my spiritual mom in the faith, Jill Austin, who went to be with the Lord years ago in uh, January of 2009. Uh, she, she, I believe, suffered an early death. 
But she would say that all the time, and she'd ask this question, how desperate are you? How desperate are you for God to show up? It could be said that mediocrity brings compromise. Not in regards to sin, etc., but in regards to the ideals we would otherwise believe God for. When we grow comfortable and we settle into mediocrity, miracles cease. And I believe that God is looking for a desperate people. And I want to say to you this morning that desperation releases the miraculous. It's hard work believing God for a miracle. How many of you know that's true? It's hard work believing God for a miracle because you are constantly faced with your present circumstance. You're constantly faced with what is happening around you. And it is easier to settle back to a life of doing our own thing rather than keep pushing into God and believing for something greater. It is easier to settle back and just say, this is how it's always going to be. It's easier to just kick back and settle into the couch of comfort and say, I'm going to stop believing because it's too difficult. But I want to say to you this morning, there is something about a heart that is desperate for a touch of God that stirs the spirit realm. That God is looking for a people at the equipping church who are desperate for God to touch them. Who are desperate for God to step into the natural with supernatural and cause something to happen. So in this time, God sends a prophet in a desperate time to a desperate soul to meet a desperate need. The woman we find here in 1 Kings is down to her last meal for herself and her son. That's all she's got. All she's got is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and she says, look at me, I'm out here picking up sticks because I'm going to go start a fire and I'm going to make the last little bit of food I have so that my son and I can die with one last meal. But here's the key to this miracle, and here is the key to many of your miracles. She had nothing to lose. She had nothing to lose. She had one meal left. What else was going to happen? She was already prepared to die. She was in a desperate time. She was a desperate soul and had a desperate need. But desperation brings visitation. When a person is more concerned with preservation than visitation... They will never allow destabilization of their environment for the potential of entering a miracle of God. Let me say that to you again and break it down for you this morning. When a person is more concerned with preservation, when we are more concerned with keeping our comforts, when we are more concerned with keeping an image, when we are more concerned with this self-preservation, this protection than a visitation, we will never allow a destabilization. What do I mean by that? We will never allow an uncomfortable moment in our lives, in our environment. But when we do, it releases potential for entering a miracle of God. In our story this morning, there are two significant miracles. The first is that Elijah actually finds a place of provision. 
We're in a famine. We're in a drought. Elijah had been living by the creek. And because of his own words, catch this this morning, because Elijah had prophesied there would be no rain, he brought himself to the place where the brook dried up because there was no rain to keep the brook going. And so Elijah himself, the man of God, is in a desperate place. But it says the word of the Lord. And we talked about this last week, that Elijah was a man moved by the word of the Lord. See, you have to be a person moved by the word of the Lord. You can't just stay at the dried up brook because that's where you've been comfortable. It has dried up. Your place where you were comfortable has dried up. Don't stay too long at the dried up place because that's what you've always known. See, I think people stay too long in a season because that's what they've known. And they're still waiting for the ravens to show up. But let me tell you something. The ravens couldn't bring anything anymore. It was a drought. The ravens had died off. There was no more meat. There was no more bread. It was a dry place and we get so comfortable under our tree that we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and what ended what ends up happening is we die ourselves we we start feeling the sting of death we start experiencing the things that we know shouldn't be happening but we're comfortable under our tree but the brooks dried up and it says the word of the lord came to him and he, he said go to Zarephath. Get up, arise, and go to Zarephath and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So this first miracle is that Elijah finds a place of provision, but it took action. He had to outwork the prophetic word. He couldn't just say, oh, well, bless God, he's given me a prophetic word. Hallelujah. God says he'll provide for me. No, he said, get up. Go. Go to Zarephath. Go down to that place because I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. The second miracle is the widow's supernatural provision, but we'll talk about that in just a second. For Elijah, it required Elijah to outwork the prophetic word. The word was, there's a widow in a particular town that I have commanded to feed you. What a stunning word. There would have been many widows in the town. This is a time where the prophets had died off. The sons of the prophets had been killed off. This is a famine. Jezebel had sent for the death of the prophets. And here's this widow woman with her son. And she's out collecting sticks. But here's what I love about this prophetic word. It says, see, I've commanded a widow there. He shows up. The widow has no clue. She has no clue that she's been commanded by God to feed the prophet. So here's a faith walk for both of them. But for Elijah, he has to get to the town, believe for the revealing of the widow, and then believe that his interaction with her will go well. That's a lot of faith right there. I've got to get up out of my comfort. I've got to go to an unfamiliar place, find an unfamiliar person, and believe that when I get there, she's going to provide for me. A widow woman. So imagine if you were about to have your last meal and I come asking for it. Imagine this. Here's this woman picking up her sticks, ready to have her last meal, and the man of God comes and says, I want to eat what you're about to eat. 
But the point is this, it is one thing to see where the miracle, miracle needs to be. It's something else to walk through toward the miracle, facing the obstacles on the way. But that is where entering into the miraculous is understood as being a faith walk. It's step by step believing God. When we are believing for the miraculous, it is step by step obedience. It's taking those steps of faith. It's moving out of the comfort zone. It's saying, God, I know what you've said to me. Therefore, I will walk out what you have said. And then for the widow required of Elijah to do a hard thing, to ask a person for their last meal, taking what little hope she had from her and using it himself. I, I mean, I, I can go hungry, but my babies? Not only are you taking my meal, you're taking the food out of my child's mouth. This is a hard outworking, y'all. This is, this is a face-to-face with a desperate situation. But see, Elijah understood a principle, and he was teaching this principle to the widow. To, the rele- to release the hand of God first requires a seed, something that God can work with. To release the hand of God first requires a seed. Something given to God that He now places His sovereign blessing into it, so forth bringing the miracle. Part of the difficulty with people with needs is they're always looking for the next handout. Now it's understandable. I get it. Because they have needs. So they're looking for their needs to be met. Here this widow woman, the prophet of God has shown up. And she could have responded and said, Prophet, bless me, I'm about to die. Prophet, change what's happening in the course of my life. Minister to me. However, the Spirit operates quite differently. The key to unlocking Holy Spirit dynamics is through the offering. We see that through the Old Testament. Sacrifice given releases a prophetic word and causes the glory of God to manifest. Now, I am not talking about money. Let me make that clear this morning. Part of offering can be money, but I'm talking about the sacrifice of praise. I'm talking about the sacrifice that comes out of the inside of us. I'm talking about stepping out in faith and taking a risk. I'm talking about taking personal time to serve God. I'm talking about giving up something dear to us in order to serve God. I'm talking about fasting and prayer. I'm talking about giving whatever it is. It takes a seed to unlock the hand of God for your miracle. When you learn to be be sacrificial before the Lord. It unlocks God's hands. And God is looking for a people in desperate times with desperate souls, with desperate needs to say, I'm desperate enough to get out of my comfort zone. I'm desperate enough to let go of what's in my hand. I'm desperate enough to sacrifice unto the Lord. I'm not talking about sacrificing unto man this morning. I'm talking about getting in position before the Lord and setting your heart before him and giving him something to work with. Hallelujah. In each case in the in the New and Old Testament, we find that there is an offering that God can work with to bring a miracle. One of my favorite ones in the New Testament is when the boy with the loaves and fishes just his lunch turns into feeding thousands. But the miracle was worked there Because there was a seed given. 
you will find that God speaks to us regarding seeds to give sometimes without knowing the reason. There have been many times where God has said, I want you to fast for a season. I want you to give. I want you to do this. I want you to go serve that person. Not understanding why. God's asked me to serve people I would have never wanted to serve. (laughs) But it produced miracles. And so through the prophet, God speaks to the widow. Give up what is currently precious to you. Give it as a seed and believe God. And as she obeys each word from Elijah, what happens? There's an unfolding revelation. The prophets only brings the promise when she's obedient. Some call this blind faith. Now, normally when blind faith is spoken of in our culture, it's generally in a negative way. Oh, that person, they just operate in blind faith. However, the issue is simply this, that blind faith is step-by-step obedience, not always knowing the outcome. It's that faithfulness to the word of the Lord. Elijah was moved according to the word of the Lord. Miraculous will always have surprises around the corner. Every time I've been involved in a move of God, I always do one thing at a time. And watch an unfolding move of the Spirit. Did I know what was going to happen next? Virtually never. I've been in conferences and I've been in services where God moves, but I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew God said, do this, do this, do this. And as I obeyed each step, we've seen it time and time again in our own lives. God says, sacrifice this, do this, call this person, do this. And step by step obedience brought about the miraculous. But I will say to you this morning, I've always carried a desperation in my spirit. I've always lived from this place that I have to be desperate for God. I have to live in desperation because desperation brings visitation. When we get comfortable and we sit back and we just grow comfortable with our our, our relationship with God, well, you know, I'm I'm just happy with what God's given me. I'm just content. One moment of contentment is one moment away from stepping back from the miraculous. You cannot live content with the current level of the presence of God. You've got to be desperate. You've got to be desperate. And for you, there's two principles that I want to say to you this morning. Number one, offer a seed before the Lord. Offer a seed before the Lord. I'm calling our church to a fast for the next two weeks. Whatever that fast is for you, you determine that before the Lord. Everyone fasts differently. But I'm calling the church to a fast because this is my belief that if we will sacrifice before the Lord, we will see breakthrough. I believe that that Pastor Mark Wallace coming at this time is a divine time. I had a dream months ago that he was preaching in our church. I didn't know how that was going to happen. He pastors his own church in California. He doesn't often travel. Because he's leading the church there. And he called me several weeks ago. And he says, for the first time in 25 years, I'm taking a two-month sabbatical from our church. And I'm just going to happen to be in Texas at this time. Would you like me to come preach? I, I was going to ask him to come preach. But I didn't know how it was going to work out. And God got ahead of me and did it for me. So I believe that desperation brings the miraculous. I believe that we need to step out of our comfort zone in this season. So what my fast looks like is going to look different than what your fast looks like. 
But I'm calling the church to a fast. Because step by step obedience to the prompting of the Spirit of God. My belief is that there is a miracle just around the corner for all of us. And I want to give you four keys this morning. Number one, think about miracles, not failures. I want our church to become miracle-minded. Don't be sickness, poverty, troubled, worry-minded, etc. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, here's what New American Standard says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. As we become miracle-minded in this season, we think about miracles. Listen, it's hard for me not to think about the failures sometimes, to think think about the miracles that didn't happen. But I'm challenging myself. So part of my fast in this season is I'm going on a negativity fast. I'm going to stop confessing negative things. I'm going to stop speaking of the failures of the past. And I'm going to begin to confess the Word of God in every situation. I'm going to challenge myself for the next two weeks to develop a pattern in my life that I'm going to only confess the Word of God. I'm only going to confess what God is doing. And I'm going to stop focusing on what the enemy has done. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Number two, remind yourself regularly that miracles are for you and not just the miracle worker. You will get what you know is for you. I've seen this outworked in my life so many times that when I begin to remind myself that miracles are for me by virtue of the sacrifice of Jesus for us, not on the basis of my own merit. I don't deserve miracles based on who I am. I have received them based on the virtue of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And I want to live, as the Moravians used to say, we want to live so that the Lamb gets the full reward for His sacrifice. Miracles are intended for today because that is the price that Jesus paid on the cross. He didn't die a bloody, gruesome, awful death so that we could not attain to what He paid for. I want to see the Lamb receive His full reward of His suffering. And so I want you to begin to remind yourself of the price that He paid and determine in your heart today that I am going to receive what He paid for. Hallelujah. Number three, believe big. John eleven forty. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not say to you, I don't want you to pray according to the size of your needs and your problems. I want you to begin to pray according to the size of your God. I want you to begin to shift your thinking. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Do you get that this morning? He is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you. This is the power that has already been placed on the inside of you. You're not having to look for it on the outside. You're not having to go search for it. He's able to do it because it's already in you. So believe big. Did He not say that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? You have got to shift your thinking. You have got to believe that what is in you is able 
He is more than able to do far more abundantly above all that you could ask. Think one translation says, imagine or dream up. Some of you have got wild imaginations and you've got to start believing God like the way that you daydream. If you could spend all day daydreaming, start believing God. Hallelujah. Preaching better than some of you are responding this morning. And number four, remember that our faith is in God only. I've got to say this to you this morning. Your faith is not in Mark Wallace. It's not in Jacob Biswell. It's not on Prophet Epiphany and, and Brother So-and-so. It's in God alone. He is the worker of miracles. But let me tell you, when God shows up, miracles happen. And I'm believing that we're going to create such a desperate environment. A desperate environment. Some of you are picking up sticks as we speak. Some of you in your lives right now are out picking up sticks saying, God, this is just it. I'm just going to go die alone. My miracle may never come, so I'm just going to hide away and die. Stop it! God is moving on your behalf. Go get the fire going. Make the cake. Sacrifice and watch God multiply. Because we are stepping into and accessing the miraculous in this season. As I start to close this morning, I want you to get to your feet. Just stand to your feet this morning. God is the doer of miracles. God is the one who does it. And God is moving in the equipping church. And I want to tell you this morning, there are access ways in the Spirit this morning for you to step into the miraculous. There are access ways in the Spirit this morning for you to get your miracle. And you have got to stop living substandard to the price that He paid. I refuse, and this is part of my fast, I refuse to not enter our promises in this season. I refuse. I refuse the enemy any right to steal, kill, or destroy any longer. He may have come to do that, but Christ came to give life and that more abundantly. And it's time for the equipping church to come up to another level. It's time for us to access all of the promise that He's, he's given. Luke 12 and 32, For it is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God delights in the prosperity of His saints. God delights when we access what He paid for. Jesus isn't up in heaven going, well, I hope they make it. He's up in heaven interceding on our behalf saying, let them step into what I paid for. Let them access. Father, let the anointing fall on her today. Let her access everything that's been paid for today. I'm tired of hearing the stories of what didn't happen. I'm tired of hearing of the miracles that didn't happen. It's time, church. It is time. One scripture says it's high time. And I believe it's high time for the church to arise and shine and let the glory of the Lord rise upon us. Did I not say if you would believe you would see the glory of God? You may have had disappointment. I've had disappointment. I get it, church. I understand. I've prayed for the miracles that didn't happen. But those aren't the rule. That's not the standard. Every word in this book is true. And if He said it, 
He'll do it. If it's here, you can count on it. Brother Old Roberts, you say, take it to the bank and cash the check, baby. It's time. It's time. Jesus, this morning, I declare access. 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 If you're here this morning or watching online, you've never given your heart to Jesus. Ephesians 2 says He's a God rich in mercy. We need His mercy. Oh, do we need His mercy. Sin separates us from God. But He made a way through Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is through Him that we come to the Father. If you've never repented of your sins, or maybe it was a long time ago and you need to renew that commitment this morning. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. If you're watching online, in just a second, we're going to pray together. But if you want to pray that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we're going to pray together this morning. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry. Today I receive your mercy to be a new creation. I make you Lord over all of my decisions, over every part of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.